<laughs> All right, having a little fun there with the ladies of uh, rock and roll, Cindy Lauper, and yeah, to stop that short, get in a little metal with Jill Janis from Huntress. Uh, may she rest in peace. But anyway, this is a special show, another lady show. You guys know we've done these a few times in our history. Uh, this episode, we have Miss Brittany Osborne, Pookie Mathis, and hopefully Jennifer Martin. I've been working on that. Our schedules haven't aligned. So once this thing posts, I hope that interview is on this. If not, it will be posted at a later time. Uh, the Brittany Osborne and Pookie ep- interviews have already been pre-recorded. And I posted those on Patreon. So if you're not a Patreon supporter, you ha- you didn't get the early release of those. You will be hearing them about a week or two late. So please support us on Patreon.com. Search out the Moto X Pod Show. You guys can donate and help out the show. And of course, all our wonderful sponsors: Torque One Racing, the title sponsor of the Moto X Pod Show, Socks Socks, MX Girl Designs, All Sport Dynamics, Blood Lubricants, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing, Works Wheels and Mods, Extreme Colors Helmet Painting, Kyle Tucker uh, Realtor. And, of course, a Cherby's USA. Those are our great sponsors. So, yeah, this is uh, just a special show. I want to get this thing knocked out with uh, getting some, you know, the other side of the sport as we like to do every so often. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, let us know what you think. Appreciate all the entries into the giveaways from the main Moto X-Pod show. But here you go. Here's a little of the ladies. All right, we've got a special show tonight. Uh, You guys know that about once a year or so, I do a wives, girlfriends type show. And uh, this week, we have the the wife of Zach Osborne, Miss Brittany Osborne. Brittany, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, To be honest, I try to avoid cameras and interviews (laughs) as much as possible. But I like the idea that this one's over the phone. And, um, you know, I am always happy to share, but... Um, I'm just more of a introverted person in general, so I'm not one to open up often and a- approach people, but, yeah. um, I am happy to have the opportunity to, to speak. So thank you. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to you. I, um, so just so you know, my, I, I've only been doing this show about eh, two and a half, three years now. And I met Zach for the first time. It's, uh, Dallas, I think last year. Yeah. Dallas. And, um, he quickly became, one of my favorite people to talk to. Um, I'm a long, long time fan of Kyle Chisholm. That's been my guy, but Zach has taken the number one spot for myself. Um, so it was really a pleasure to finally get a chance to, to meet you and say hi to you at Millville this year. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, so I want to touch on your background with Zach a little bit. You guys met at a very young age. Uh, I believe you guys were about 12 years old and it, you met at the track. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, at the time, my little brother raced um, KTM 50s, and Zach's parents at the time owned a KTM dealership. And so um, we went to them to get some tune-up done on my brother's bike at the Ponca City National. Um, and, yes, we were around 12 years old when we met, and um, our family just kind of became became friends pretty quickly um, by doing business together, you know, through their motorcycle shop right. and things, you know, just evolved from there. Um, yeah. So and, was it, I mean, we've, we're 29 years old now and we've spent <laughs> over half of our lives together already. So yeah. it's pretty, pretty crazy to see, um, you know, everything that we've been through together and where we are now and everything. Um, I wouldn't, 
wouldn't do it any other way, but um, now I have a little girl myself, and <laughs> I the thought of that scares, scares me to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah, so I, I want to you know, talk about that. Like, you guys meeting at such a young age, that's very, it's very unusual for relationships to last anymore in this day and time. Uh, you know, I've had the chance to talk to Kyle and Brittany Chisholm, who have been together since, like, high school years. Uh, then, you know, Matil and Marvin have been together that long. But it's still, it's pretty rare. Um, and to see the things that we're going to talk about tonight that you guys have gone through and still stick together, uh, it, it's really a testament to, I think, the uh, the people that you guys are. It's very impressive. Um, was it love at first sight? Um, he says yes. <laughs> I will say no. <laughs> okay. Not for me. Um, I was just, you know, a typical 12-year-old girl. I wasn't trying to find my partner for life or right. anything like that. You know, I wasn't. I, I really was in, like, the boys have cooties phase still. <laughs> okay. I wasn't interested at all in, in not only Zach, but just boys in general, you know. Sure. Um, yeah, so it definitely wasn't love at first sight. But, um, like I said, we more or less became family friends and um, had a lot in common. I've always been a athletic girl, you know, one of the people that would have gotten picked before some of the boys, like, for football or oh, football cool. or <laughs> – whatever it is and um i think that kind of was our um you know connect connection i guess at first is that we had a lot of hobbies zach grew up on a lake so he was into water sports and i was to um just things like that you know yeah. not definitely didn't start off being a um love connection it was more of a friendship and, and it evolved you know, things that we had in common and then it just evolved yeah that's awesome um so how many years would you say it was before or how much time before you were like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of into this guy? Well, probably just a year, honestly. Okay. Um, like I said, once once we started doing business with them um, for my brother's dirt bikes, um, we found out at the time I lived in Nashville and Zach's from um, basically the Tennessee-Virginia border mm-hmm. near Bristol. So we lived about five hours apart, but once we met them and started doing business with them, we ended up going to a lot of the same local races. I mean, motocross isn't that popular in that area, like Tennessee and um, kind of that that area. Sure. Or it wasn't at the time. There weren't right. that many options of tracks to go to. So it just so happened that we started going to a lot of the same tracks, you know, Muddy Creek and a couple places in Georgia, a couple places in Alabama. And so we would see each other on the weekends, you know, a couple times a month or whatever. And, you know, within a year, we, it did become a um, love interest or like a, you know, a relationship um, thing and not just a friendship anymore. And what what were your parents' thoughts on that? Because that's that's a pretty young age. So I know dads. You know I have stepdaughters, um, and at that age, what well, every age, I'm just like, no, boys are gross, stay away. So, but but yeah. be, Zach, being the type of human that he is, I would think they couldn't pick any, you couldn't pick anybody better. But what were your parents' thoughts? Well, funny story. At the time, I think um, I've always been pretty wise beyond my years. So. Um, you know, Zach and I always joke that even whenever I was 12, I was like maturity wise, I was more like a 17, 18 year old. You know, Zach, on the other hand, was not at that time. <laughs> I mean, he, he had some growing up to do, and he is an only child, so he always um, grew up 
his family would have people over, like, to ride with him and stuff in the summer whenever people weren't in school or whatever. So he always had influence from a lot of older people in his life. Mm-hmm. And I won't always say that that was a good thing, especially in the girl department. Like, he was definitely um, kind of searching or wanting to do the, the cool thing. And uh. I, I wasn't the type of person that does the cool thing. I'm not, like, the mainstream person. I walked to the beat of my own drum. You know, I was always concerned with doing what was right. I have two brothers, and um, they helped me to a very, very high standard as well as my dad. So it wasn't always easy for Zach because he wanted to do the cool thing. Yeah. Um, I wasn't into the cool thing, and, you know, I kind of let him know it's me or the cool thing. Oh, okay. There you go. You got to have that ultimatum um, sometimes with us. Yeah, so, um, you know, and that was fine with me. Like I said, I wasn't going to change who I wanted to be. And I think that's the best thing that my parents did instill in me is that, you know, you be who you are. If you're if you're doing the right thing, don't change that to please someone else, you know? Yeah. So there was a time in our relationship where I was like, okay, this is me, love it or leave it kind of thing. And um, he did quickly realize that, you know, I was what he wanted and, he he didn't change himself, but he just became comfortable with that instead of being insecure and kind of searching for the approval of his older friends or, you know, this person and that person. He just realized that, you know, we did we were very compatible. We had a lot in common, and you know, we had goals and um, dreams that we wanted to accomplish together. And you know, we both just let go of society's expectation and um did did our own thing did what was important to us and what we felt like you know was the right thing and what god had planned for our lives so that's fantastic okay so you guys start dating his uh he you know obviously he gets better and better he turns pro in 2006 um at this point how many years have you guys been together um in 2006 we have been together about four, I would say actually three years because okay. as I described just a moment ago, you know, there was a time where it was a little bit rocky. He was feeling all this pressure from his friends and society, what he wanted, what, you know, what he thought was going to be good for him. And I wasn't willing to change who I was yeah. to suit that. So there was a time when we actually kind of spent a little bit of time apart and, um, did some soul searching, but quickly we, you know, came right back to each other. And when that happened, it it was like stronger than ever. You know, we knew that we had deviated we had pursued other things, pursued other interests and so on. And, um, it didn't work out and we came back together stronger than ever. So 2006 is really, that's where I almost, you know, yes, we met when we were 12, but 2006 is where we really, you know, kicked off, like, to we're, where we are now. Okay. You know, that was the that was the launch pad to the Zach and Brittany of today, really. Right. So, you know, yes, we had known each other for three years, but that was kind of the, the starting point, you okay. know, for, for everything we have now. So. Well, you know, the, anybody that's listening knows the history. You know, Zach has, you know, he, there's... He doesn't really live up to the potential of what was expected of him at that time. There's issues, there's injuries. Um, mm-hmm. It was a difficult time for Zach at that time, and I would have to assume having you in his corner was 
probably a, a, a strength of him getting through it. But also, just talk about how difficult that time was and teams and the industry maybe not having the faith in Zach. And, you know, because when these young kids come into the pro sport of motocross and they go pro, they don't get a whole lot of opportunity to grow into adulthood and maturity. They're just thrown in and expected to, you know, be able to maintain that level of excellence that the teams want from him. And it's not easy. So just talk about that time period before he goes to Europe. Okay. Well, um, you know, the good thing for me is I was just a normal, you know, at the time we were 16 years old, I was a very normal 16 year old. You know, I wasn't making any money. You know, I had like a small part-time job. I have a gymnastics background. So I was coaching gymnastics to small kids. Um, in the afternoons after school, you know, I was making eight bucks an hour and they're happy as Larry about that. You know, I had enough money to buy gas for my car, get to where I wanted to go, you know, buy movie tickets, whatever, you know, and honestly, I was the only one of my friends who even had a job, you know, it just wasn't the thing to do. Yeah, just a normal teenager. In our area. So I think that that was really kind of helpful to him that I didn't, you know, I definitely didn't love him for his career or for his money or whatever. You know, honestly, I can say that I was pretty oblivious to it. You know, having having known him since we were 12 and, um, you know, obviously seeing him win numerous national championships as an amateur, I did know that, you know, there was a ton of expectation on him. And I did know that, you know, this was supposed to be his life and this was everything that he had spent his whole life working toward. But I guess I just thought, you know, being a 16-year-old, I was like, oh, he has time. You know, he'll figure it out. Right. Um, I was clueless to, like, the dog-eat-dog mentality of the sport and of the industry that, you know, you're only as good as your last race and you better get get this really quick or you're, you're done. You know, he actually was in a two-year contract at that time. And so I thought, oh, you know, he's fine. He's going to have time to figure this out. And, you know, little did I know the contract is only as good as the paper it's written on and if that a job really quickly. So, um, you know, we, we both kind of benefited from each other at that time. I actually moved my, so a side story back to the motorcycle dealership. My parents ended up purchasing that dealership from Zach's family. Okay. So I no longer lived in Nashville. I had moved to his hometown of Abingdon. And I was 15 whenever that took place. So I was a 15-year-old who had grown up in one town my whole life, and suddenly I was transplanted to this new school environment. So I wasn't altogether pleased with that, and he wasn't altogether pleased with his racing um, scenario. So we both kind of um, balanced each other, I guess. You know, I was looking for... uh, way to occupy my time outside of school you know I wasn't the person that was going to all of the extracurricular events I didn't go to football games I didn't go to prom I didn't do this Mm. you know I was um I wanted to do whatever he was doing so we both kind of clung to each other through our difficulties him with his career me with my transition to a new school and a new life and um you know I think my normalcy definitely did bring him some balance and some comfort that, you know, yeah. everything's going to be okay. We're still so young and we have so much life ahead. No matter what happens with this, we're going to be okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, it absolutely does. Um, so in, in 2008, 
he goes to Europe. I mean, that's really his options. Um, you know, anytime you have a relationship that's long distance, if it's a couple hours apart, it's not mm-hmm. easy. You talked about being five hours apart when you first met or across right. country, but being across on another continent, because you didn't go at first, right? You stayed here. Um, how difficult was that? And, and how did you stay here the whole time he was in Europe or did you eventually move over there with him? Well, um, whenever that all happened, he left in 2008, which was the same year that I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. So at that time, you know, that was a major crossroads for me and, um, you know, just the direction of my life. And um, at the time, whenever I graduated, I didn't know that he was going to Europe. Um, that was right around the time of, like, Glen Helen. In fact, he broke his wrist um, at Glen Helen drove like all day and night to get to my high school graduation and things were still rocky at that point we didn't know which direction we were going to go you know but I did know that my parents always encouraged me no matter what happens with Zach you know as good as he is at racing motorcycles you're that good at school you know and you're smart and you have your whole life ahead of you and no matter what happens with you two, whether you get married or you don't, if you have children together, whatever, you know, you need to have a plan for yourself to take care of yourself and your future children and to provide a stable income, you know, should Zach's career not pan out. You know, my parents instilled in me, you know, take care of yourself, have options, have options. So I had already made up my mind that I was going to be going to college and, you know, when Zach did get the call to go to Europe, he honestly went with the one I was to I didn't know if I was ever going to see him again. Yeah. I didn't know what the future would hold, but, you know, we just kind of had to sit down together and say, look, this is, this is what's going on. This is, this is why, you know, I have to do school, and in four years, we'll see where we're at, you know. You have to do this. This is your only option. So let's just do it, you know. Let's just attack our goals everything that we've worked for to this point and just keep going, you know, and we'll make it work. And so that's what we did. He went to Europe and two weeks later I moved into my college dorm. Okay. And, um, you know, the first few months, like the excitement of it all, the opportunity for him, the change for me, um, kind of gave us, you know, strength. And, um, then, the following summer, I did go to Europe to, you know, be with him and tour with him. And in the winters, he came home to America to do his training. You know, winters in Europe can be pretty brutal. So he would come home um, to do his training at, in South Carolina at the time. So the first time he left, he was gone for probably around four months. And, I mean, honestly, I can say it went by pretty quickly. Um, at the time, I had a college roommate, and her boyfriend lived on the same floor as us, <laughs> and they fought like cats and dogs. <laughs> so that kind of drove me crazy, but it also gave me perspective, you know, that um, it was it was going to be worth it. We had yeah. a very good compatibility, very good connection, you know, and it was for the greater good and for the long-term good, you know, short-term short-term pain for long-term gain is what we called it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely, definitely worked out in the end for us. It was a tremendous sacrifice at the time, but in saying that I went to nursing school. So nursing school, if you're not familiar is unlike, I mean, I guess the only thing that you can kind of say it's similar to would be kind of like a medical school type thing. It's, 
it's not just like show up on Tuesday morning for two hours of class. I mean, it, it, they pretty much own your life for like yeah. two and a half, three years. I mean, you, you work 12-hour shifts at the hospital for free. Um, <laughs> yeah. You do long clinical days. You do you do all kinds of stuff. So I was very, um, very consumed by that. And, you know, it was a good distraction for me. It helped pass the time fast, you know, the time away from him more quickly. And he was very busy as well and there was a five-hour time difference to you know by the time I woke up in the morning he had already been awake for five or six hours so um you know we we just got through it and like I said the the hope of what was to come kind of carried us on yeah well and and these things that you're talking about um a lot of these little steps you talk about would be difficult for a lot of relationships to survive and yours did, and the where it ended up, you know, within the last few years, just makes you know it, it's really it's really an impressive story. Um, was there ever a time during these struggles that you thought, um, well, maybe Zach won't make it as a champion, or won't have a um, what's where I'm looking for, like a a positive uh, career in moto, or did or did you know? that Zach's, Zach's going to turn this thing around, that he has this ability, and he's a fighter? Well, you know, I have a lot of unpopular opinions, but one of them is, uh, in my opinion, success is, is subjective. You know, sure. to you, success might be living in a sprawling mansion and, you know, going to this place or that place. You know, to me, being successful is just, it is whatever you want it to be, you know success for some people some people want to grow up and become a hairdresser or become a waitress whatever it may be you know if you do that and you do it to the best of your ability and and to your potential in my opinion you're successful you know so i kind of let go early on of what what other people term successful you know because i listened to zach (laughs) you know i was zach's person so zach's telling me this is what I want. This is what I want. You know, he tells me his dreams and his goals and I wasn't concerned with points or championships or whatever, you know, I wanted whatever Zach wanted. If Zach got what he was working for, then that to me was success. And so, you know, whenever he came home in 2012, from a, you know, what I would call a pretty successful career, you know, in Europe, mm-hmm. um, didn't exactly set the world on fire by the world standards, but you know, in, in, all honesty he had redeemed himself from what could have been you know the end of of his career as we knew it sure. you know he had dug himself out of a pretty deep hole and he was ready to come back stateside and we got married and um at that point i was already calling him successful you know um getting married for us was the biggest dream that we had had to that point and when we did that, you know, I was like, okay, we did it. Right, right. <laughs> so I can actually look back now, and we're like, okay, we had no money. <laughs> we had um, no like We had never lived together, um, like full, you know, full time. We had never had a place of our own. I moved directly from my parents' home to the house that we bought just before we got married. Um, you know, we we had nothing really to speak of, but we were happy, and we thought we had, you know accomplish everything so to me it's all about perspective you know but for sure there was a time when I did think you know he's he's not gonna win championships but like 
hey, he might win a race here or there. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. You know, whatever. And um, then a couple years into that, you know, we had our daughter. And again, you know, when you have kids, it just changes everything. Like, again, I felt like the most accomplished, successful person in the world because we had a beautiful, healthy child and we loved each other so much. And, you know, that in in my eyes was a, a dream come true. It was everything that I had ever wanted. So, um, you know, I don't really measure our successes or accomplishments and, you know, trophies or accolades or whatever you yeah. want to call it. You know, for us, it's just about, you know, more the experience and, um, Family. I asked Zach sometimes if he would, if he could go back and change it, you know, would, would he wish to have been successful instantly as a professional? And he's like, you know, I would not, I would not want to do it any other way than I did it because it was that way for a reason. You know, he knows that he had some growing up to do and some maturing and it just, it gave us a better perspective on, on what could be, you know, on both sides of the coin as far as the difficulties and now having reached, um, you know, championship status and all that, you know, we, we can fully enjoy that as well because we've, we've been on the other side. So, um, that's, yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, okay. So you mentioned 2012, you guys got married, um, Mm -hmm. that Zach clearly had to be pretty much your first real relationship, I'm assuming, um, mm-hmm. so you didn't really experience, you know, what it's like to date other guys. Are you, are you sure you're in it for the long haul? You're ready. To, you're, you're good. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm pretty committed at this point. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you're, I think you're all in. I'm just teasing a little bit, but let's jump ahead a little bit. So Zach comes back to the States, has some successes, May 6th, 2017, Las Vegas mm-hmm. main event. Zach crashes. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts yep. at that moment? You know, I I wasn't even, like, for myself, I wasn't upset. You know, all I could think about was him. Like, yeah. oh, my gosh, like, he, you know, what he must be thinking. Like, it's, first of all, is he physically okay? You know, it's, it's always my first thing. Sure. Is he okay? Like, at the end of every day, you know, he's my husband, he's the father of my children, and that that is hands down the most important thing to me, like, I want him physically to be well, you know, mm-hmm. anything else we can work through, we can live with, but I want him to be in one piece. So, you know, first thought is, is, is he okay? Second thought is, you know, he's going to be devastated. Like all the work that he had done and um, everything just go up in flames in literally one corner. <laughs> you right. Know? Yeah. Um, sorry. No, you're good. Are you okay? Uh, you want to yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that was my first thought. Um, it, it wasn't anything selfish, you know, sure. in fact, for me, it was almost a, like a release. Like I was like, I can breathe again. You know, this is over. There's nothing more to see here. You know? Right. Right. Um, and not, I, I hate to even sound like a doubter because I mean, I believe in him to the fullest, but well, given the circumstances and the fact that he was, I mean, I don't, I've heard all kinds of numbers, but like, you know, 20-ish seconds down yeah. in the very first corner, I just did not think it was humanly No, it's, possible, it's it seemed you know? impossible. Like, it, yeah, I was right. like, uh, it's over. Yeah, I mean, it's over. Right. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I don't want to sound like I don't believe. I mean, nope. I, of all people, I am a believer in him sure. and his abilities, but, you know, there's just so many so many things that have to go go well and 
um, like I said, for me, it was almost like a deep breath because I was like, hey, you know, he did it. He he tried. He <laughs> gave it all we had. We left literally nothing on the table. And now I can breathe and just watch this race and see how it goes, you know? Yeah. Well, then, then of course, the pass happens. Um, right. And, and I can only imagine. So you go from not necessarily because obviously you're a very positive person and you don't, you're not putting a lot of weight on the championships and all that, but the lowest of lows almost to the highest right. of highs in it, within a single race anyway. Uh, and then we right. see Zach on the podium and he's breaking down. He, he, he kneels down and he's in tears. Um, right. I, I can only imagine as his wife, what's go, I don't even know if you saw that moment, if you were at the podium by then or not, but if you saw that moment and what's going through your head, um, of what he's accomplished, what you, you, the two of you have accomplished together, um, that must have been just a, an incredible moment. I, I mean, there really are no words that I can say. You know, no matter like in that situation, especially like you know, obviously we had dreamed of that day since the very beginning. I mean, since very young kids. You know, um, I had played played the scenario in my mind a million times but yet it looked nothing like that you know (laughs) and um so obviously I'm watching till the bitter end of that race because yeah I mean how could you not I mean I was just glued to it but as soon as the path happens I'm literally just like in disbelief you know but I've got a little two-year-old there um (laughs) holding on to my leg you know so I pick her up and well first I'm like telling her we have to run you know daddy just won a race you know and I always tell her he did it for her you know I oh, told yeah. because he, he does this for you you know so um I was like your daddy won you a race you know and uh so she starts off running but I realized that the podium <laughs> the podium would have been long over by the time we got there so I pick her up and I'm running with her and I can remember specifically um Donnie and little D um ran with me like to help me get through the crowd get oh, all the cool. people and uh, a couple weeks later he said you run faster with a baby on your hip than any person i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because the excitement was so sure you know so real and um i wanted to be there with him to soak in every single second of that you know um it was just amazing few times in your life can you really feel gratification like that you know yeah um just just pure reward for every single thing that you've worked for, you know, and it was, it it definitely lived up to the hype. I mean, especially (laughs) for it to have ended that way, it was just off the charts, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That whole night, even the 450 championship, you know, with Eli trying to slow down Dungey and and that, that whole, that was just like, I don't, you can't replicate that night. That was amazing. Um, well, and I, I felt bad because, you know, he won another East Coast Championship last year. And, you know, they say that it's always harder to defend than it is to win the first one. But, and I, I don't even want to sound jaded. Like, you know, he's won three titles now. But yep. I, uh, Vegas in 2018 was very much a lull. You know, like I said, not that I didn't appreciate it, not that I wasn't so grateful and proud of him, but like compared to 2017, <laughs> it was just, it was a dud. <laughs> right, right. I understand what you're saying. But it's there because it didn't end with a bang, you know. Right. Well, it's still fantastic what he's done. He, he moves to the 450 class this year and 
you know, he I know he's prepping. Um, he was actually scheduled to be on our show the day that he had the collarbone injury. Um, mm-hmm. you know, pre Supercross. So uh unfortunately that Supercross didn't go how he wanted, but he came back. He he's you know, shows that he's gonna be a threat. Um yeah, outdoors he's got what a moto win, I believe, a couple of podiums. Um I I feel yeah. like I feel like an overall is coming. Zach is a beast. He does not quit. He fights to the end. And I think a lot of that probably has come because of the history he's had, what he's had to go through in his career. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to kind of touch on just a couple more things before I let you go. Um, okay. I know you guys bring a motorhome to every race, uh, outdoors for sure, I don't, and, and, well, and, and Supercross too. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you guys do this, try to do this as a family. I'm sure you know all the people listening think there's just millions and millions of dollars rolling in, and, and but you know, it's not really that way. Having a motorhome and bringing your family to every race is probably a pretty huge expense that people don't realize, but you guys do this as a family. Um, I see Zach, you know, on Friday evening after press or whatever, and he's hanging out and you guys are cooking or the the kids are running around. Um, I think that's really special to see you guys do that. Um, maybe it's not always fun to be at the track every weekend, but you guys do it and support each other. Just touch on that just a little bit, um, you know, and having the kids there, what that's like. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, it all started when our daughter was born. Um, we were living in California. We had no family support. I mean, we live, we're both East Coasters, so yep. we were 2,000 miles from family. And, um, you know, it started off as, like, we'll take the baby. I had always gone to the races with Zach, always. And um, so whenever we had her, it was like it didn't even cross our minds to do anything else. I mean, we, we didn't have any options for her. So it was either I stay home with her or we continue to go. And, you know, they, they really kind of get you the airlines because the first two years, kids fly free. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's not a deal at first. Like the first two years, it's free. They just ride on your lap. No biggie. So our daughter is an excellent traveler. <laughs> She's almost five now. And, um, I mean, I'd, I would hate to even put a number on, like, how many flights or how many miles she's flown. It's insane. But she um, really embraces it. I will say this year, she's turning five in October, um, has been the hardest uh, for her travel-wise. Like, she loves being at the races. I mean, the races are almost like our family. We see the people at the races more than we see our own family. So it it is like a special little community of people that love on her and um, just our family in general. And, you know, that's really special. So she loves to be there, but it's the getting there and the getting home that are becoming harder for her. Um, You know, Zach likes to be home first thing on Sunday morning so that he can, um, rest on the couch rather than being in the airport all day. So, you know, it's a lot of early morning wake-ups for the kids and right. things like that that, you know, are are a little bit difficult, a little bit trying. But for us, we just know that this time, like this career span, even even the best of careers are relatively short in the scheme of life, you know. Um, other careers, you know, people work 35, 40 years. You know, motocross is like... 10, 10 to 15, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, we, we, having been together as long as we had, we, we wanted her, you know, I think the first couple of years people assumed she was an accident. She wasn't an accident. <laughs> like we, we planned for our family. We wanted to have kids young. Um, and we wanted her to be a part of our lives. I mean, we both feel strongly that like, you know, rather than taking everything that you love out of your life for your kids, just let them rise to the occasion, let them, 
do hard things and feel accomplished for doing those things, you know, and um, she is definitely proof of that because, I mean, she can get on an airplane and I mean, we feel confident that she could navigate the Atlanta airport by herself. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> she, yeah. She's impressive. But um, there are there are definitely challenges to that. And like I said, we're kind of coming up on a crossroads as a family right now where it is becoming harder. She is going to be starting kindergarten. Yep. And she's she's starting to have interests of her own. She's very very good at gymnastics, and you know um, they have seen her. They have recognized her potential at gymnastics, and they want her to come two days a week to gymnastics. You know, you start adding all these things. You know, they want her to practice two evenings a week. We have to fly out on Thursdays or Fridays. Um, we stay gone all weekend. We come home dog tired on Sunday. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it's all starting to kind of take its toll on her. But, you know, no matter what happens in the future, and she has experienced so much with us, and we are so thankful that she has. You know, I just can't imagine looking back at the photos of those championships or those race wins and not not seeing her there with us. I mean, she's she's been such a part of it. I mean, honestly, when Zach became a father, that was, you know, just the start of some a whole new him, really. I mean that kind of lit the fire under him in a way that nothing else ever had. I mean, she was his motivation. You know, he felt, I don't know if it was the sense to that he had to provide for her. I don't really know. I can't really describe yeah. for him what, you know, where that came from, but I do know that having her just changed him and changed the way that he approaches life and, and racing, you know, um, I, I do believe she's a lot of the never give up attitude you know we we want to set a good example for them and show them that good things take hard work and you know when you don't give up you're rewarded and you know so I wouldn't change any of that but whatever Zach got hurt last summer um, at Thunder Valley and he had to have his shoulder reconstructed um, that that really kind of changed things for her because she for the first time in her life at three and a half years old she got a sense of what it was like to not be at a race every week, you know, we did have to stay home for like six months, you know, from the races. And mm -hmm. during that time we had our second child and, you know, like I said, we had a lot of downtime as a family that she had never experienced before. And whenever it did come time for Zach to go racing again, um, this supercross season, it, it was kind of a rude awakening for her just because she had, she had forgotten about the long travel days yeah. and the late, the late nights of Supercross and things like that. But definitely the RV makes our life so much more comfortable. I mean, it's literally like a home away from home. You know, the kids have a place to nap, a place to eat snacks, and, you know, just do, do their own thing, some privacy. And um, we try to keep their life at the race as much as we can, like, their life at home you know as far as the schedule that they're on and all those things so um that it goes without saying that that is a huge convenience but it does come with the cost that i don't think people really recognize you know now we buy three plane tickets to everywhere we go <laughs> i mean we we yeah. do get some help obviously but um not not enough to cover that sort of expense but it's just it's something that we feel strongly we if she wants to be there we want her to be there we don't want to ever make her feel like she can't be a part of it or you know she's she's separate from that you know we for us there is no boundary between like work and family you know and 
I can say that we're lucky to be in a profession that allow allows for that. You know, that true. Team. Yeah. Um, Rockstar Energy Hispana has um, his first year was with them was the year she was born, and they have accommodated us in every single possible way, and um, you know, just made our life at the races so great. And um, it's not always like that, but we're lucky to have a, a wonderful team that is very family oriented. And, we're um, super, super appreciative of that. So, yeah, Bob, Bobby Hewitt's um, fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so, uh, again, he, he's, I think, Zach's legacy. I talked to him, I think the last time he was on the show, that we didn't even hardly talk about Moto. We just talked about, like, personality and legacy. And I think he's going to leave a legacy on our sport where people remember him for, like, a lot of, not really anything negative. You know, there, there's... He he just puts so much positivity out there. I, I think his legacy is going to last a long time, and I think it's going to be very positive towards other people, young kids who see him. Um, but uh, so I, I think you guys have done everything right. It's this this interview. I, I'm really impressed with everything you're saying. Um, it just it's it's really amazing what you guys have accomplished. Uh, before I let you go, I have a couple uh, listener questions that I want to throw out there. Sure. And then I'll let you go. Um, okay, okay. So Shay, who is S underscore Thornton 74 on Instagram. She wants to know, how uh-huh. do you handle everything with kids when Zach is racing pretty much every weekend? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but you got a lot of help, but, um, having a couple kids, you know, even at home, it's, it's, you have your hands full, it's busy. So how do you handle that at a race? Um, snacks, <laughs> <laughs> lots, lots of snacks. Uh, yeah, um, right. if you ever seen me with the children, they're almost always sticky hands and sticky face. And uh, we have a rule at our house on Saturdays, anything goes. Okay? Oh, nice. So you just got to kind of, you got to kind of let go of the standard. On Saturdays, the bar goes really, really low for the children <laughs> because we all have to just cope and get through Saturday. And right. they know that. <laughs> and they, uh, the daughter especially abuses that, but it works. And, you know, like I said, Monday through Friday, we run a pretty tight ship. Saturday, yeah, just. I'm here for it, whatever. Nice. <laughs> you know, mommy mommy has to take care of daddy. Mommy has, <laughs> wants to watch the race. Come on, you know. Like, yeah. Make sand pies, make, you know. Um, and, again, the motorhome helps with that because they do have some of the things that they enjoy um, there with us. But, you know, for the most part, my kids are screen-free. We go outside. We play, you know. So when you, when you kind of give them that environment, you know, even at the race, like, it's their playground. I mean, they right. ride bikes, they um, make sand pies and just what eat some sticks and whatever they got to <laughs> do to get through Saturday. But at the end, it's all fun and it's all worth it, you know, and I'm, I'm happy that they get to be a part of it. Absolutely. All right. And then Ryan McMinn, who is at plus 30 underscore 86, he says, what's it like being with someone so into just one sport, which, you know, anybody that's involved with an ath- a professional athlete, that's kind of how it is. But, um, you know, your world is consumed most of the time with motocross. Um, I mean, it doesn't bother me because, like I said, I kind of grew up knowing that this would be the reality. But, yeah. I mean, yes, all those motocross is that job. Please do not mistake that he only is into motocross. Back has a list, a list, a mile long of all the hobbies <laughs> that he wants to pursue someday. I mean, he's into everything from biathlon, golfing, fishing, um, you name it, he's interested in it. And so, I mean, 
I'm all about it. Like, just do what makes you happy, you know, pursue, pursue things that you love. And, right. um, whenever all this is over, I'll be happy to, you know, watch him and <laughs> help him do whatever it is that he chooses to do. I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, he's my person, so wherever he goes, I'm going to go happily. <laughs> That's awesome. Brittany, it has been an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you and um, just, you know, get to know you a little bit. It's been fantastic. I I, I just, I think I love your family. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm all in on Zach Osborne as a racer and a human being, and I think you're the perfect match. Well, thank you. I mean, that, that's, that speaks to me because I, I hope I can be half the person that he is. I mean, I truly mean that. I, I joke with him, well, kind of joking, kind of not, you know. <laughs> We've been married now for almost seven years, and I tell him every day that I I hope and pray every day to become a little bit more like him and a little bit less like me. Wow, <laughs> he is That's impressive. Better, he's the better half of us. I mean, it takes all kinds, and you know, um, I, I do feel like I said we're compatible. I don't know if you if you do the enneagram, but any of your listeners, if you haven't taken the enneagram test, go do it. Um, I was telling a friend about it last week, and I actually guessed her Enneagram number. But anyways, um, Zach and I at the airport last week, we had some downtime, and I took this personality test, so then I had him take the personality test. And it turns out our two types are like... I mean, off the charts, like, we're like the power couple. So. <laughs> That's, yeah, like a fairy, I mean, you're a fairy dating, tale. If you want to get married, anything like that, go take the Enneagram and don't date anyone unless they do that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, no, really, I, we are very compatible and, um, you know, we, we do have a strong connection, but yeah. it, it is, it is not because of me. It's, he is a wonderful human and it always does make me happy make me happy to hear when people say that you know to me as i mentioned you know race wins and championships and all that are great because that's what he tells me he wants you know yeah but um you know for me i'm more about you know who he is as a person and um that you know when people come up to me and tell me what an what a kind human being he is i mean i have cried to people before (laughs) because it it just it really does mean the world. You know, I, I see the work that he puts into being the racer that he is, but what people don't often see is, you know, the, the other side of it and who he is as a person. And right. um, I'm so lucky that, you know, I, I get to see that on a daily basis and our children get to see that too. So um, it's a, it's an honor and um, I'm so proud of him and so thankful to just be a part of all of it and, you know, like I said, I would I would go anywhere and do anything for him to get him where he wants to be, and so I I call myself lucky. Well, that, that's amazing. And I was going to wrap this thing up, but just I'll, I'll give you a, a a story real quick. And I've told this on here before. So I, I told you I met him last year at Dallas. Um, just briefly, I think it was on press day. Was and I, I interviewed him. You know, down in in the stadium on press, like we do. A um, couple weeks later, I go to St. Louis, and I was sitting in the back of Chad Reed's hauler with Goose, just visiting in the morning, early Saturday morning. Um, you know, in St. Louis is an indoor pits, and Zach was right. walking in, and he's probably 60, 70 feet away, and he looked over, um, and I was sitting on the back of the truck, and he instantly turned and came up to me and said, hey, man, how are you doing? You know, and like, he didn't really know me. He just, he remembered me somehow of all the people he talked to, but he made me feel like, you know, like I mattered, you know, I was important. Um, and 
and he's been that way with me every time. He just always has this huge smile and is so friendly. And anytime I ask if he's got time to do an interview or do something for a fan, he's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, and they're, you know how busy they are, especially in Supercross on a Saturday. It's nonstop demands. There's no downtime, but he finds time to do what, you know, he can to make other people feel special. Um, so yeah, he, he's, he's a winner. He's a keeper. Um, but I bet he would say the same about you. So yeah, I, I would have to believe he feels like you're probably the better half that keeps him in check. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I, um, I, yeah, there, I mean, there just are no words really. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's the model human in my life. Yeah. And, um, so I, I love to hear any good thing that people have to say about him any, any time, you know, it, he does work so hard and, you know, I mean, both of us put in a lot of work, not just for for his job, but just people and as parents, you know, yep. raising the next generation. It's it's so important to us. So I love to hear the impact that he has on has on people. You know, it, even doing this interview, you know, I Zach's like, hey, my friend wants to do a podcast with you. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? Why? I mean, I don't have anything to say. You know, I don't have anything to offer people. Like, it blows my mind that people care enough. To you know, to to want to know more, but at the same time, you know, I've really done nothing to deserve a platform or you know a, a reach of people. But at the same time, you know, because of what he does, I do kind of have the platform that goes along with that and the the spotlight or whatever. But you know, my only thing is just using it for good. You know, we right. both just want to use use that for good. I mean, we've. We don't consider ourselves, you know, famous or important or any more than the next person, you know. And, um, you know, for me, the biggest thing is just using it to to bring good or bring positive positivity or whatever you'd like to call it, you know, to the world and to um, the people who choose to follow us. So. Yeah, well, I, I have to say I, I disagree with you on that you don't have – you know, that, that's pl- there's no no room for you or whatever on this platform. That it, why would anybody want to listen to you kind of thing? And, you know, I've had Keely Baggett say the same kind of thing. And I had Julie Fortner, uh, Austin's mom, and, and um, yeah. you know, well, Paige, you know, Paige has been on and Brittany Chisholm. And, and these yeah. these guys doing this sport, especially when you have a family, they, they cannot do it without the support of their wives or their girlfriends. You know, Chris Kiefer, um, I don't know if you know Chris or not, but he – preaches on hashtag home life if you have a good home life that transitions downhill into your professional life and um you know so you you have your 50 percent of zach's career and his um his success you know and and that's just the way it is so i i like getting the wives and the girlfriends on here because you get the other side you know you you hear about you know, actually, I had another question I wanted to ask you. I guess if you have a few more minutes, injuries, yeah, right? Of course. So, riders, yeah. we're we're tough. We're we're big tough guys, and we're you know, oh yeah, I broke my wrist. It's so cool, but you know, you you get the wives on the girlfriends like, no, he's a big baby. You know, he he's you know, so it's it's fun getting that other side that we won't hear on the podium or even you right. know on a lot of these podcasts that I do or Steve Mathis or any other guys because. The right. wives give a different perspective, and I think that perspective is needed to get the full story. So, right. so yeah, just real quick, is uh, is Zach is he is he a big baby when he gets hurt? Honestly, no. I mean, Damn. he. I can truly <laughs> say, I will say this: like it's just like the flu, like the freaking man flu. Yeah, 
he's a wuss, okay? Okay. He can't deal with, like, a fever, the chills, nothing like that. Right. Like, I mean, you could pretty much saw his arm off with no anesthesia, and he'd be like, I didn't really feel it. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he is actually very tough. Like, sure. You know, I've, I've seen him in countless very painful times, surgery, all, all of the scenarios. And, I mean, I am a nurse, so. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, You've seen it all. That, I don't know if that helps things, but, um. He, honestly, I can honestly say that he's really tough. He's not a bad patient as far as like caring for him after surgery or anything. I mean, he doesn't complain. He's he's a go getter pretty much all the time. So right, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I don't have any funny things to share. No, that's fine. That's there. fine. That's 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 cool. Yeah. This the the flu thing was good enough for me. That's funny. Um, <laughs> well, this thing went way longer than I I would have expected. I didn't mean to take you that much time from you and your family, but Brittany, thank you so much for giving us almost an hour of your time this evening. It means a lot to me. Yeah, well, no problem. Again, I appreciate the opportunity and um, hope hope it helps someone or um, brings brings some joy to someone so uh thanks so much for taking the time and for being a friend to zach and me and uh look forward to seeing you at the races absolutely um all right thanks you have a good night you too f you dude okay our next guest of the night on the uh the ladies show is uh the beautiful pookie mathis is back with us how you doing pookie hello hello i'm good bro how are you I am fantastic. Uh, just glad to be off work. Glad it's almost the weekend. Ready to do some riding this weekend. Uh, Steve going to do? Oh no, Steve's going to Bud's Creek, so he will not be riding this weekend. Right, Steve will be leaving. I have a friend coming into town, and she's a Paula Abdul super fan, and Ooh. Paula is starting her residency here. So, ah, Paula Abdul. That sounds like that's right up your alley. Yeah, let's let's just get it right into music. Uh, music is something I was going to talk to you about. Um, I've talked to you about it a little bit before. You are a huge new kids on the block and I'm sure you're into a lot of other pop music. Um, just, you know, where, where did your love for music start? What was the first thing you remember? I remember my parents listening to music in the house a lot when I was a kid. Um, when my mom would clean the house on the weekends, she wouldn't have the TV on. She would have music going all the time. And my parents, they were, you know, they like to have a good time. I wouldn't call them like partiers or anything, but they yeah. definitely, um, you know, like to have a good time and they play, had parties at our house. And so, yeah, there was always kind of this classic rock music, but then also blues. My dad is really into blues music and jazz. So the music was kind of all over the place, but definitely always around growing up. And yeah, my love for concerts and live music has just been growing like crazy as I've gotten older. Oh, I love it too. I'm the same way. I'm going to be doing actually like a music pod with Kiefer in the next hopefully next week, um, just, just discussing music in general. Um, He's so, very passionate about music, so yeah. I would just tread lightly. If you have anything to say about the Goo Goo Dolls, I know it's not oh, right I up do. your alley, but like he takes it very personally. Like One time he yep. wanted us all on our group text that we're on with the Keepers. Everybody was to name their top five Goo Goo Doll songs in order. Like he just was like, everybody do it, and we. I took me a couple days. He was right up my butt. What <laughs> are your top five Goo Goo Doll songs? I, like, I don't know no, five. I don't even really like the Goo Goo Dolls like that. Yeah, like you know, I love Chris, but sometimes, and, and Steve too. Sometimes with their music selection, I'm like, that seems like a little like to me. It's a, a little bit girly rock. Some of the stuff they like, not Van Halen. Yeah. But when you go Goo yeah. Goo Dolls or. Some of those stuff because I'm just a metalhead. I I love that loud, crunchy guitar and like that's man music to me. That's power, you know. When I hear the Goo Goo Dolls or some of the stuff Steve's into, Third Eye Blind, I'm like, yeah, they're good bands, but mm, it's not my, just not me. 
but I'm looking right, forward. Yeah, it's definitely opposite of what you're yeah into. Yeah, Kiefer is definitely more on the softer side, even yeah. Steve. Like Kiefer and Heather love Lifehouse and <laughs> right. dolls, and yeah, you know, like <laughs> yeah, Steve. But yeah, Third Eye Blind, I can't say anything on because they're one of my favorites. They're, yeah, they're, I'm not saying they're. Like, I'm yeah. not even saying the Goo Goo Dolls are not a good band. They're just they're just kind of light. You know, they're they're a little mellow and. You know, what I want to like, I ride listening to music, and I've got like Pantera playing and Slayer, and you know, stuff to get me fired up. But anyway, that's not this is not about me. This is about you. Um, okay. What was the first group or band um, that like that was like okay, this is my obsession? Was it New Kids on the Block, or was it something before that? It actually, wasn't New Kids on the Block. I didn't even get into New Kids on the Block until they reunited in two thousand eight. Oh, you... When I was in junior high and the and the New Kids were blowing up like crazy, I was not. You know, I mean, I liked them, but I wasn't like a fanatic or anything like that. I didn't have any posters or and definitely lots of girls in my school did. And I mean, I had my favorite new kid, obviously, <laughs> but um, yeah, I wasn't like a fanatic. Like I was, you know, when they reunited, I think once they just all were like real manly when they reunited, okay. yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, this is my jam right here. Um, the first concert I ever went to was Billy Joel. And that was when I was wow. in high school in Fargo, North Dakota. And I just remember being really moved. Um, Billy Joel did like um, this thing where the crowd just sang almost the whole chorus of Piano Man. And oh, yeah. they turned all the house lights on. And I just remember thinking it was like the coolest thing ever. I'd never been to a concert before or anything. So, um, yeah, I just really always loved it. Um, I was, I don't know, I'm trying to think of who I was fanatical about when I was younger, I can't even really think of anybody, but as I've been an adult, I've been obsessed with Maroon 5, their first album, Songs About Jane, um, Audio Slave's first album, totally mm-hmm. obsessed. I'm talking like, I'll listen to this album every day, all day, for months and months. <laughs> um, Jordan Knight and Nick Carter did a collaboration one summer, and they recorded an album together, and I was totally obsessed with it, like every song on it. Um, that's random, but no, yeah, I no. just have, right now it's John Mayer, probably for the last year and a half, really solid, it's been John Mayer, like John Mayer Radio on Pandora, I'll listen to just my John Mayer music on my phone, just on shuffle in my car, Okay. I'm going to a John Mayer concert by myself next month in Phoenix, because I wanted to get a really good ticket, and I didn't want to have to make anybody else buy a ticket like that with me, so... Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That's really cool. I, I I love music, even if it's not music I'm into. I love the passion. So that's um pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was gonna ask you something. I'm brain farting on what I was gonna ask you. It figures um about music. So I may have to come back to that. Let's let's talk oh, about okay. where you, where you grew up. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the Midwest in North Dakota on an Air Force base. Oh, okay. North Dakota is um. It's one of the northernmost states. It's on the border of Canada. So I grew up probably about an hour and a half from the border of Canada. And then another hour north above the Canadian border is Winnipeg, where Steve grew up. So we didn't know each other as kids or anything, but we grew up within probably two-hour drive of each other. But he was on the Canadian side, and I was on the American side. And I moved there, you know, when I was seven years old, and I stayed there until I finished college. Oh, so you you were a military kid, and and how long? What it was just Air Force. He stayed in the Air Force the whole twenty or what? Yeah, my dad was in the Air Force, and yeah, he retired and ended up staying there. My parents broke up, and you know, both got remarried. Okay. And um, my mom and her husband wanted to move, you know, away from North Dakota and back to you know somewhere with warm, warmer weather. My sister was on board with her family, and I actually stayed back six months after my entire family moved away because I was still living with my high school boyfriend's family at the time, and just wasn't ready to, you know, really. I just assumed I was going to always stay there. Right. And then six months later, I was like, "What am I doing here? My whole family's gone, and I got to go." Yeah. Yeah, I was a military kid too, but I didn't get to stay in one place very long. So, 
that's that's unusual in the military, but I think the Air Force tries to do that more than the other branches, try to keep you, you know, in a more... It is, and especially where I was living in North Dakota or where my dad was stationed, it's not super desirable, so mm. I think that's the reason why we were there for, like, a long time. But, yeah, I definitely had friends, you know, in elementary school and junior high school just coming and going all the time, very, you know, devastating when you're that age. But sure. for me, yeah, for us, we only ever... We lived in Las Vegas before we moved to um, North Dakota. I had a brother that was born in Las Vegas, and then, um, yeah, there the whole time after that. Okay, so this boyfriend that you mentioned a minute ago, this is the boyfriend that rode motocross, right? That kind of got you. Uh, That's right. Yeah, yep. District Twenty Three in Minnesota. So he, I didn't, I didn't go to high school with him. He was one year older than me. So he actually, I actually grew up on the border of Canada, but also on the border of Minnesota. So I'm um, just five minute drive right over um, the river was a, a, another state, Minnesota. And so that's where he was from. Okay. So this boyfriend and we, we know that Pookie's a little boy crazy. Um, and, and we like that about Pookie. So I'm sure you meet this guy, he rides dirt bikes and do you just instantly become obsessed with a sport? Um, is it, do you like the sport yeah. because of the boyfriend yep. or is it just because yeah. of something? Yeah. Like and just, he had posters all over his room. Um, I, I can remember Ezra Lust, Kevin Windham. Um, this is right when Jeremy was coming up. I mean, he, he taught me more about that. Just the Jeremy, Jeff and McDaddles. I mean, he taught me about Bradshaw and Stanton and chicken and, you know, John Michelle Bale. And yeah. he was, total student of it loved it um he read racer x and motocross action and all the magazines came to his house so there was just stuff everywhere so yeah he was really really into it not just you know following the races on saturdays this more, is more than that this is one of the reasons i think you should be in studio more i know you don't keep up with it quite as much as back then but you do have some knowledge you have some passion for it and I know that the fans love hearing it from you. Um, so, yeah, I think I, we got to make this happen where you're – there needs to be a reoccurring – even if it's the last 30 minutes of the show, but you you got to get in the studio more. I know. I have been sitting in for After Dark because yeah. I, I just think it's hilarious. I love to see how passionate <laughs> Kiefer gets. And then sometimes if he wants to give bunk advice, I have to be like, no, this is what you should really do. Right. Um, so I have been, and um, – yeah, I can't think of, I, haven't, I guess I haven't much. I've been thinking about it more. I guess I just haven't actually done it, but yeah, I might. I, I always enjoyed like the tits versus tits, the, the contest, even though you seem to not do very well at it most of the time, it's still very entertaining and, I know, but that does make me feel bad about myself. You know, nah. I already have self-esteem issues, so I'm like, oh, I can't believe I don't know this stuff. Like, I get embarrassed because I have a vast knowledge, but I only know, like, about the stuff that I want to know about. Sure. Otherwise, I'm just like, I have no idea. I get it. I get it. Um... So I just remembered my, my music question, so I want to jump back real quick. Are you're okay. a pop fan? Do you are you have you ever been a fan of Madonna? Is that somebody that you're into? Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of Madonna. I'm not a super fan for sure, not like newer Madonna, but um, older Madonna from the eighties. Yeah, uh, yeah, Lucky Star, up to Vogue, all that. Yeah, yes. Well, the reason I ask is one of and I don't I may have told you this. One of my best friends has been her guitar player since two thousand. So going on 20 years now. Um, oh, I think you did tell me that one time. Yeah, before I don't think we had really n known each other, really knew each other well at that time. I think I may have just messaged you about it. But I'll have to try to hook you up when she plays Vegas because she is about to tour again. They're gearing up, and they're in New York kind of doing their rehearsals and stuff. But, oh yeah. Oh, my God. That she, would be amazing. Like, again, I, you know, I told you a minute ago, I'm a metalhead, but I saw her for the first time in uh, 2001. She did the live concert on HBO. I don't know if you remember that. Um, but I was there for that show. We, we, we flew up to Detroit. That was my buddy Monty's first tour. I got to meet her literally five minutes before she went on stage. 
Oh, my God. You talked to Madonna? Oh, I talked to Madonna. I got to hug Madonna. Um, oh, my God. I, uh, we, we got to – nobody cares about this, but we're going to talk about it anyway. So we, we were sitting in the, the arena there where the Detroit Red Wings play. I don't remember what the name of the, that Coliseum is, but we're sitting there, and we're watching the band rehearse, and we're watching the dancers rehearse, and Madonna's not there at this point. They're just doing the rehearsals. And Monty tells us, it's me and a couple other buddies that were in a band with him in our hometown. There, he's, you know, he's a metal guy. He's a rock band guy. Right. But anyway, uh, so we're all there watching. And he says, hey, when Madonna gets here, you're going to have to leave. She lets nobody watch rehearsals. Uh, so you, sound check. You got to go. So no big deal. We're just sitting there watching the band play. And we hear on the radio, M's in the building. Clear the building. So we start walking out. He says, hey, you got to go. We start walking out. And I kind of glance over. And Madonna walks on stage in sweatpants. And I didn't even realize who it was. It didn't look like anything. You know, it just looked like it looked like a stagehand. And uh, right. we're walking out. At, we're going backstage, and Monty starts yelling, hey, guys, come back, come back. She wants you to stay. He said, this is really weird. She's never done this before, but she wants you guys to stay. So it was she me and three friends, nobody else in this entire stadium, Madonna and Monty sitting on the stage playing uh, an acoustic song together such a surreal experience because she's staring at us like she's watching our reaction she knows that we're there for Monty we're not pop fans we're metal fans it was she so knew you were his friend yeah yeah she uh she even after the show she called Monty we were leaving and she's like hey what'd they think and I, it was the best concert I have ever seen she <laughs> is so amazing Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to I'll see if I can get you guys hooked up. But Vegas would be a that would be really cool. Yeah. I actually have a, a friend, a, a new friend that I met, and she's really big into Madonna. So I've been back into it lately because we listen to it a lot together. Yeah, she's she's awesome. So okay, let's get back. That's a sidetrack, but uh, anyway, um, that was a good one though. We needed to go back to that because yes, Madonna tickets. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll see what I can do. Uh, you know, Vegas would be okay. a difficult venue probably to get passes, but I will do what I can. I was just gonna tell you if I need to drive to another city, I will because that's. <laughs> reason i'm going to see john mayer in phoenix and not la well he's not playing here but i was right. going to go to la or san diego and the tickets were just bananas so well like, I'll, I'll work phoenix on that is small like yeah i'll be there awesome well, i'll work on that so okay moto back to moto we're talking about your boyfriend you felt you you fell in love with the sport the guys you're into and eventually you meet steve um we talked about that on hello pookie so if you guys aren't listening to the wrap-up show you're missing out um we talk about meeting Steve a little bit and, and what that was like. You know, I know you guys didn't start dating right away, but just talk about meeting Steve and him being a pro mechanic and what you thought. Okay. Um, I, I was in college when I met Steve. It was my second year of college. I was living in a dorm room in a very small town, even smaller than the town that I went to high school in. Um, it was a notebook university, it was called at the time, and it was really new, but they basically just gave every student on campus a laptop and you could like, you know, get right onto the network or whatever. So we all had just access to the internet all the time, which was still pretty new. This was 1997. So still at the beginning of all that kind of stuff, but advanced for where we were. Um, So one of our, my, my computer classes, we were basically just kind of learning how to surf the internet, learning how to search for things, learning how, you know, communications work, and we were basically just told search something that you're interested in. So I searched motocross, and I ended up on motocross.com, and motocross.com had a chat feature. And so I remember, I don't think I was looking at it that day in the class, but I remember in my dorm room going on and just, it was really full. There was a lot of people in there. There was a lot of people talking, and I could tell right away that it was the kind of chat room where people knew each other. Like there was already a base, a group of people that were friendly and talked a lot then. Okay. Um, 
so I just started going on in my free time. Um, and yeah, one night I was on with my girlfriend. She lived upstairs from me. We were chatting with some people and Moto Steve came in and it was, yeah, Steve, somebody that I knew from the chat room. Um, it was actually Don Maeda that I had met on the chat room. He was one of the regulars there. There was also a couple from Indiana that had a lot of money that were um, also on there. Um, just kind of a lot of people talking about different things. Um, races that they were going to be going to. Um, some of the times the groups would do meetups at certain races. It all just seemed really fun, like a fun group of people. Yeah. And then so so I had been told that some people knew Steve and he had been on. And I asked Steve the other day, how was he on a chat room? Because he wouldn't have had a computer or a laptop or anything at that time. He doesn't even remember. <laughs> so I don't know how Steve was on. But anyway, my girlfriend and I were chatting. We ended up chatting with Steve. I remember I went to bed, and she told me the next day that she chatted, uh, stayed up all night chatting with Steve for, like, hours. I was up chatting with Moto Steve. I'm like, what? That's so funny. This is my girlfriend, Heather, from school. So, yeah, so then um, I don't remember what happened. If, I don't remember talking to them a lot on the chat room, um, but I remember going to Minneapolis Supercross. No, we went to Indianapolis Supercross. Remember the rich people that I told you from Indianapolis? Yeah, yeah. They actually wanted us to come to the meetup that they were having, and so they flew us to Indy Supercross from North Dakota. Wow. So I went to Indy Supercross and with my girlfriend. We went to the meetup. Steve was there, but his rider got injured before the main event, Ty Birdwell, and hurt his toe. So I didn't actually meet Steve that night, but he told me that he saw me. He saw me somehow. Like, I don't know how he knew what I was wearing or <laughs> saw me from a picture. I have no idea. Creepy. But I remember he told me that he saw me, but he didn't actually say anything to me. And then I didn't meet him again until Minneapolis Supercross, which probably would have been only a couple weeks later. You know how the schedule works or whatever. Yeah. Um, so my girlfriend and I, we drove to Minneapolis. That was our closest Supercross. We used to have to drive six hours to get to the closest Supercross. And, um, yeah, then I met Steve, and I remember just liking him right away. I always thought he was so funny. I thought he was super nice. I mean, he was still really Canadian at that time. He had only just come over, so he wasn't as California as he is now or <laughs> maybe as American as he is now, right. I should say. But, yeah, he was just – I just remember thinking he was so funny and, yeah, just so cool. Not even just what he did for a living because, I mean, at that time he was a privateer mechanic. I mean, he probably wasn't even making any money at that time. So, um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of – luster involved with it at that time but i just always remember thinking he was so cool and yeah my my boyfriend i was like i said i was living with my ex-boyfriend at the time he was my ex-boyfriend by then but i was living at his his house with his family um because he was the youngest of six kids and they had an empty house and i was already living there before so i just ended up staying when my family left and um yeah yeah so steve and i were friends for a long time and we didn't actually start dating seriously probably for another i don't know four years after oh okay um, yeah, that's cool. It's funny that you uh, like. I, I'm I'm definitely gonna start calling Steve Moto Steve from now on. Um, <laughs> that that's gonna be his new title. Uh, I like that. Uh, and so, did you make this drive to Minneapolis more for Steve or more for the race? Like, what what were you more excited about? Um, I probably already had plans to go because of the whole chat room community. There yeah. was probably some people to meet there anyway. I don't really remember. God, that was a long time ago. But, yeah, I definitely remember, like, meeting up. I remember looking for Jason Fournette's number on the track. I'd be like, that's the guy. Who's his mechanic? Like, watch what mechanic he goes over to because that's the guy. That's funny. <laughs> oh, my God, that's funny. And I remember after the LCQ, Fournette didn't qualify. And I remember looking at Steve, and he slammed the pit board on his leg. I don't remember if it broke, but I remember being like, oh, he's pissed. 
It's funny that you say that he doesn't remember how he was in a chat room because he remembers every single detail of every single race he's ever seen, and it blows my mind how much he me remembers. Too. Yes, me too. And they were just talking with a bunch of races about Bradshaw. With Bradshaw, yeah. I was just the years they were. Oh, that was Houston '91, something '92. I'm like, yeah, do you know oh, that. So and so broke his hand on the third lap of this moto, and then the next week mm-hmm. he broke. Yeah, I'm like. I, I, I barely, think you know. I think even JT has it better than Steve. Like when you get those two together, forget yeah. it. It it, it kind of um, makes me regret. Like I I didn't come into becoming a fan of motocross until I'm the same age as Steve, but I didn't get into it really until like 1990 ish. But I don't remember being obsessed over it where I could watch it all the time and like it just you know I'd catch the magazines. I don't remember ever it being on TV so. I, I don't know how he. Re- I guess he just must have soaked all that stuff up in the magazines and cycle news and, um, yeah, it's just it's it's he's it's amazing. Um, but what he remembers. So were you guys together when Summercross happens? We knew each other when Summercross happened. I must have been living in Phoenix at the time, so no, I probably had a boyfriend at that time because I had a, a serious boyfriend. Well, not a serious boyfriend, but a boyfriend yeah. for most of the time I was living in Phoenix. Okay, I was just curious because that's you know, of course he he brings that up uh, along with the uh, Manitoba title. So I, I was just wondering if you were involved for any of that, but you were involved with Tim Ferry years though. That that's that's probably I would have to assume Steve's favorite part of his career. Uh, those years with Timmy, um, what was that like for you? I, I agree. I think that probably was his favorite time. That and his years with Nick, because him and oh, Nick yeah. just got on so good too. I mean, he Timmy's hilarious, but Nick is like super hilarious, like in a more, you know, obvious way. Timmy's more understated, hilarious. <laughs> um, I remember I have a funny story about when Steve went to Germany. So before he he came to see me in Phoenix for a while, uh, he was making phone calls constantly to people looking for jobs, calling privateers, looking for work. He couldn't find anything, and he got offered a job um, with this German team. Um, I'm sure he's talked about it before. I don't really remember anything yeah. about it, but he hated it when he got over there, um, just hated it. He was only there for a couple of weeks, and then Timmy ended up calling him, or somebody on Nolene called him and asked him to come work for Timmy, and so he came right home. And this was, I don't know, it was a San, it was San Diego race, so it must have been at the beginning of the season, um, and I had already – um, planned to go to that race with a girlfriend who was visiting me from Australia that I met on the motocross chat room. So she came from Australia. We had already pl- had plans to go to like Anaheim and San Diego Supercross together. And I went to go say hi to Jason Fournette, and he asked me if I was happy that my boy was home. Oh, I was okay. Like, what? What boy? He's like your boy. He's home from Europe. I took off running so fast <laughs> to try to find Timmy's van. I remember just being like, there's no way he's back from Germany. Oh, oh my God. And, yeah, he was home, and I was so excited, just so happy, because I didn't expect to see him that weekend, and he was there, and it was so fun. That's it's that's really cool. And you know, I, I told you this, mm-hmm. I think, the last time we talked about, you know, this – you you clearly love Steve. You guys have a you know, and Steve kind of jokes about it here and there. But you guys have a fantastic fantastic relationship. I actually just got done interviewing Brittany Osborne, and 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 her and Zach's um, bond is very similar. Just you can just hear it. And you know, there's been a caller that called in. I think a couple weeks ago, and, and a couple times, or maybe left a voicemail. I can't remember talking about that. Like it's just so clear the passion that you guys have for each other that that it's it's really I, I love that stuff i'm a, i'm a um romantic at heart much like Kiefer is and i love that stuff so i think it's it's just awesome hearing you talk about how you felt even back then you know that that's just that's awesome 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just, um, yeah, we are very lucky to have found each other. Yeah. Um, I wasn't ever really looking to be like a serious relationship kind of girl. I never wanted kids. I never even really saw myself getting married when I was younger. It's just kind of not for me, not really for anybody in my family. If you know my family, it's not really shocking that I would, you know, be like that. But I don't know, something about it, you know, something about, yeah, I mean, obviously we got married under a certain set of circumstances, but we were already living together. And, you know, obviously if I'm going to marry anybody, it's going to be my Stevie. (laughs) Well, yeah, we're lucky. We've been married for 15 years now. It's going to be 16 in January. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations on that. Um, and just change the subject just for a second. We talked about Kiefer. He just texted me and said to tell you he loves you. So, Aw, of course he does. Love yeah. So um, anyway, let's move on. Um, as Steve's career in um, as a pro mechanic, you know, continues, it, it's, it ends shortly, not long after this time period, I guess. But, um, you know, he, we talked about on Hello Pookie about him being gone and him traveling. That's kind of all you know and that in your relationship. That's what you're used to. Um, do you – is there ever a time that you wished maybe you he was home more, you know, that maybe things had been any different, or are you perfectly content with the way that relationship's been? I'm content with it. Um, we were just talking over dinner the other night about his off-season yeah. <laughs> and how many times he's going to Europe in his off-season this year and really how many solid weeks he's going to have at home. I mean, it's not more than two weeks before he's gone again. And so I did tell him, you know, maybe you should think about canceling one of these trips. But when you look at what the trips are, he's not going to do it. He just wants to be there so bad. And as long as he still wants to go and is happy to do it, I'm just, yeah, it's fine. Because I know eventually one day he's going to be like, yeah, I'm totally over it. And then he'll just be done with it. So, and then, you know, how many of us get to do exactly what we want to do right up until we're sick of it and be like, okay, now I'm going to do something else. So, yeah. Yeah. No, well, I'm fine with it. Let's jump I just ahead. worry about him over scheduling himself because, yeah, right now it sounds like a good idea to go to Europe four or five times this off season. But <laughs> when the trips come up, he's going to be like, no, why, why did I do this? Uh, I know. I've never been. And I, I want to do one, at least one GP at some point. But, uh, yeah. Off what you just said, let's jump ahead a little bit. So he he jokes all the time, I'm over this. I'm going to shut down Pulpamax, uh, blah, blah, blah. Realistically, how many years do you see him before he might actually – that might be a serious thing? Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I would say at least five. Okay. And that would be pushing it. That would be quick. I would say probably closer to ten. That's kind of I, I just I was, can't. I was really thinking that hockey would take off for him, and that maybe he could transition from um, motocross to hockey, just because he's so good at what he does. Mm-hmm. And his hockey podcast was very popular, and it did have a niche following. Um, but I think just that you know the hockey mar- podcast market was so saturated. Um, but so yeah, it's going to be just yeah. I mean, Evan Ferry is going to be right there, and he's <laughs> not going to be able to do anything about it. He's just going to just. You just have to be mad about it and just ask him anyway. How's your setup? Right, exactly. And you know, honestly, every time he says that, I I just don't see like he loves the sport too much. Like he could shut it down and say he's quote unquote going to retire, but he's going to want to be there. Maybe not every week. Maybe that will change. But I don't. I just don't buy into him shutting Pulp MX down. Honestly, probably ever something he'll be doing something, even if it's just privateer you know island pods like he's he's not gonna quit no way yeah i can see steve when he's done going to the races though being done for a while um he'll be going back but you know some people when they stop racing or when they stop their regular job that doesn't require them to go to the races they still just are like well i have to be to the races i have to be at the races he's getting more where he's not like that as much 
um, which I like. I'm, I'm glad that he's going to start feeling comfortable enough to not be at the races all the time or feel like he has to be there. Or yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, as far as what's going to happen to Pulpamex, I, I have no idea. I can't see. I mean, how could any how could Pulpamex be anything but just Steve Mathis? You know. <laughs> well, I I can't really argue with that. Um, I would love to get the opportunity. Well, he's already given me an opportunity with the wrap up show, and like I would love to be able to do more for him if he would entrust stuff with me, and hopefully over time. He'll he'll have some trust like that because I'd love to be able to help him out when he can't go, but um, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, we talked also before about his fans. His fans are very very much like Howard Stern fans. They're they're diehard fans. They are whack packers. They are um, they know all the the drops. Like last night on the wrap up show, Brad Gebhardt and Randy Richardson were talking about things, and they remember these little details that only super fans are going to remember. Um, what's it like for you when you, you go somewhere and you, you know, whether it be a live event, especially the live events and you see the fans come up and talk to Steve, um, talk about that again. I know you have before, but it's, it's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. No, I always love that. I always love when Steve gets recognized, even when we're walking and I have a hilarious story that I haven't told anybody yet. Um, I was told Steve that night, if I was the kind of girl that did Instagram stories, you know, where you just like film yourself talking and telling the story, Mm -hmm. I would have just gone on and been like, you guys are not going to believe what just happened to us. (laughs) So we went to, um, this is after the Third Eye Blind concert, but the next week we went to another concert with the Kiefer's in LA this time. We drove to um, the Greek theater down in LA and um, Steve and I left to go get drinks. And I saw just, you know, people in L.A., everybody looks famous. And it's always been a joke of mine to when we're in L.A., keep your eye out for somebody famous. Because one time on the street, I was with Steve and his brother, and I said, are you guys looking for celebrities? And 10 minutes later, we saw Matthew Perry from Friends on the street. I saw him, and I was like, oh, my God. And they weren't even watching. So now it's every time just a joke. Are you looking for celebrities? Right. So he said no. And I swear to God, not 15 seconds later, somebody walked past us and goes, Steve Mathis? <laughs> And we stopped, and the guy goes, oh, my God, I'm a huge fan of yours. I, I can't believe I'm just seeing you here. That, and he got recognized as a celebrity right after I said that. That's cool. So I thought that was really cool because we were at a concert. that had nothing to do with Moto, like right. nothing. And, yeah, so I just thought that was funny. We just had to click hello to the guy. But, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, that was a good story. Did, mm-hmm. did Steve take a picture with him? No, he didn't ask for a picture. The guy ah. actually was with the starstruck. He was with the girl. They had Bush VIP lanyards on, though. I was like, who were they? Could they get us backstage or something? <laughs> but anyway, they just walked off. But that was funny just to say a quick hello. But I always love when the fans come up. I always like when people are comfortable enough to say something. Yeah. Um, if I notice that somebody is kind of standing watching or if they notice Steve or if they look too nervous, if I think Steve has a minute to say something, I'll, I'll try to help somebody. If they just look like they're too nervous to say something, Um Sometimes people just want to say hi, but sometimes they're too nervous to say anything. So it just depends on the circumstance. But yeah. I always love, you know, even when the people talk to stop me and just tell me, like, how much they love him or whatever. Yeah, it always makes me feel so well, good how about him. How about Pookie fans? How many? How often do you, when you're yeah. at a race, uh, how many fans? I know you, you the, the riders know you and you have your favorite riders, but what about fans that see you? Do you get that very often? Um, I don't too much. It depends. It seems like when it rains, it pours a little bit. I can remember specifically New Jersey um, a couple of years ago when I went, there being a lot of, I, I even Instagrammed it, like a lot of Pook Nation feeling the love today. Um, some races I go to, I don't get recognized at all, which is fine. I mean, I usually show up late and I spend a lot of time in the press box. So True. I don't, you know, some, some, some races I don't really get to walk around a lot. Um, I'm always happy when people do say hi and I try to be, you know, extra friendly. If I have my Pook Nation um, flannel on, then that helps. Yeah, there you go. Everybody know who I am. (laughs) I think that's why another reason the live events have been, they've been so popular. And I think that's something that was 
probably going to progressively grow uh, maybe more and more rounds every year, hopefully, because uh, the meet and greets and the people get to interact, even when they don't do the meet and greets during the show, they get to yell out and there's questions asked and, and they get a chance to meet you and Heather and Weege and whoever. Um, I think that has been one of the best things I think that Steve's added to the Pulp MX empire is the live shows. I do too. I, I wish that there was an opportunity to do more. Um, I think it's just mostly finding the venues, but they right. they are really fun, and I do love to go. I think the atmosphere and just feeling the energy and having everybody, you know, in the same room and laughing at the you know the same jokes and just seeing seeing them live do the the show that they listen to all the time. Um, we've gone to a couple episodes of the Adam Carolla podcast taping. Oh, cool! And so they just record it in front of an audience, just the same way, and it's just always so fun and. So cool to be there with a live audience. Yeah, I want to do, do that with them. I want to do that with Dax Shepard's podcast, the Armchair Experts. That's like my favorite pod that's not motor related. And I'm a huge I'm kind of a fanboy of, of Dax, so I gotta make that happen. But um all right, so I've already had you on here for a half hour, so I want to ask you a couple more questions and I'll let you go. Um talk let's talk about Damon Bradshaw Monday night. I know you're super excited. How was that for you? It was cool. Damon is um hi. You know, I, I know I always just heard, you know, Bradshaw and Chicken, Bradshaw and Chicken, and you just right. think of them like Bradshaw and Chicken, but, like, they could not be diff- more different from each other. Like, Chicken, when when he's at my house, I'm literally scared. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. He's telling these crazy stories. I mean, the stories he's telling us, I'm like, wow, guy, are you serious right, right now? Like, right, Yes, just, you know, anybody who knows him, I'm sure, is not not surprised. But then Damon comes, and it's just like, so soft-spoken, reserved, yet super friendly. Um, I told Steve yesterday, because um, he had left those water bottles on the counter, and Steve's like, no, don't throw these away. Like, we're going to label this one Damon Bradshaw's water bottle. That's funny. And we were laughing about it. And um, I told him, he, Steve didn't see this because he had already gone upstairs, but I had come down to the studio to get water when the guys had come back with their lunch, and they came into the gra- from the garage and went up the stairs before me, and so I just snuck in behind them and was going up the stairs, and Damon like noticed that I was behind him, and he stopped and moved over so I could go up the second set of stairs in front of him because he saw me there, and I was like, just to be a gentleman. and Right. I mean, he didn't even say anything. He just kind of did it, and I went. But it's just such a nice gesture and, you know, just a lot of things like that that he did. Um, yeah, he asked me um, for an iron. He wanted to iron his T-shirt because it was a fly T-shirt that he brought to wear on the camera, and it was wrinkly, and so I offered yeah. to put it in the dryer for him. And so I put his shirt in the dryer for him. And, yeah, JT he was talked about that. Eat. Yeah, the food came, and I set it all up, and I'm kind of waiting for Bradshaw to, like, start. I'm like, you guys can eat. And um, he he was the last one to eat. He waited for everybody else to eat before even making a taco. And, you know, of course, I have my eyes on him because I want to make sure I'm, like, hostessing, you know, my, my ass off to make sure my guests have everything they want. Yeah. Yeah, so little things like that. But that was really cool. And, oh, Steve, I mean, if you listen to that show, I told Steve he sounded just happy. You could just hear it in his voice, probably how I kind of sound now or when I'm talking about stuff like that. But I feel like I could just hear it in his voice that he was so different than any normal show. Yeah, I, I actually kind of mentioned that uh, last night on the wrap-up show that, it, you know, they had Stanton on, which was a perfect call-in guest for having Bradshaw in studio, and then Cole, Cole Seeley was on. But the, there was only two call-in guests, really, um, and I think that show warranted that. It was just a special circumstance. Um, I actually posed the question last night, like, if there was a burning building and Bradshaw and Timmy were in there, who would Steve pick? Because... Steve's fandom for Bradshaw was very, very high, and I, I kind of went with Bradshaw, Randy, and um, 
Randy and Brad said that no way he's taking Timmy out, but I'm not so sure. Yeah, that would be tough to say. Does Brad doesn't have any kids, does he? Because Steve usually goes to that. Uh, I don't think so. So, yeah, maybe he might say, oh, Timmy has more kids. Because <laughs> I actually told him that um, when we were having, I don't know, we were at breakfast or something, and he's saying that the, the Noof and Galdi are coming in. And I said, yep. I don't even know who you love more, the Noof <laughs> or Galdi. Like, he just literally loves those Canadian boys so much. And I said, who would you save in a burning building? And he said, ah, Galt has more kids. Right. <laughs> well, you have, to, you have to pose that question to him uh, for Bradshaw Ferry so we can get a straight answer. But um, last question I guess I'm going to ask you is besides Bradshaw, who's your favorite all-time in-studio guest? Uh, you know who my favorite in-studio guest is? Randy Richardson. Nice. I mean, you just all around, you cannot find somebody funnier, nicer. Just he brings stuff. He brings you know, booze, or he brought that blame pie one time, just, <laughs> and you just cannot stop laughing when you're with him. I mean, yeah. I love it. Yeah, he's just the best. He he was fantastic last night on the wrap-up show, so I, hopefully people are definitely, the people that are commenting love Randy, so he's he's great. That's a good pick. Um, Pookie, I'm not going to keep you anymore. I could probably ask you a thousand more questions, but... Um, <laughs> I pre- we're going to do that more on the Hello Pookie episodes upcoming. So sure. thank you so much for taking time again for the Moto X-Pod show and myself. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, bro. Anytime. Okay, you have a good night, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Same to you. Bye. All right, bye.